I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me, if you will, or scroll to Psalm chapter 27. Our title this morning is One Thing. One Thing. We've noted that um, the fear of the Lord, we are to seek wisdom as we would hidden treasures. We are to have the same zeal in pursuing the Lord and his wisdom, literally as if $10 million was right in front of us and we had to somehow get it. That is the determination that the Lord wants us to have in seeking the Lord and in seeking God's wisdom. But now I need a a testimony or an amen this morning from each of us. How many of us know that we can seek something strongly, but also have side hustles? Also have things on the side that we're also seeking. And those things that we are also seeking, even if we're seeking one thing very strongly, we have other things that we have on the side, and those things distract us from the one thing that we should and that we ought To be seeking. I have news for you. That approach does not work. It does not work. To have multiple things. That we are seeking. Alongside seeking. The Lord. For many of us. The locusts of bad decisions. Bad habits. Divided interests. They steal our joy. As do distractions and the temptations that call us by name every single day. These things pull us away from the one thing that should be our focus. Add into that the very human experiences of sorrows our own failures and fears and worries. And we can oftentimes seek the Lord alongside other things or other people or pursue him in a divided way. Jesus said in John in Luke chapter six, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I tell you? So this morning, I'd like to develop this concept that we have been talking about, about pursuing the Lord strongly, because that is a biblical truth is from Proverbs chapter two, the first five verses. But I want to give us a more full picture of what it means to seek the Lord and to seek wisdom. And that is with this truth as well, which is to make that pursuit not one of many. But the one thing that we desire and the one thing that we pursue with all other pursuits that we have in life being subject to the lordship of Christ and complementing the one thing that we desire and the one thing that we crave, which is the presence of God and serving him. 
and knowing him. Remember the fear of the Lord. We define this as making room for the Lord in our thoughts, our affections, our convictions, our plans, our activities in our life. We proactively make room for the Lord. We do not give him the leftovers. We do not make it a half-hearted effort where, oh, look, it's the end of the month and maybe we have something for the Lord. Not at all. The fear of the Lord is to reverence and respect God to the degree that we choose to make room for him in every part of our life. The fear of the Lord would be analogous with seeking the Lord. So when I talk about seeking wisdom, I'm also talking about seeking the Lord because the two go hand in hand. So here's our key verse for this morning. Psalm chapter 27. Remember the book of Psalms is a wisdom book as well, just like Proverbs. So we're still in the wisdom genre. Psalm chapter 27 verse 4 says this. One thing. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing. One thing I have desired, one thing is the priority with a capital P in my life. And everything else falls under that one thing. No competition, no competing pursuits, no pursuits that will distract me or pull me away from the Lord or weaken my walk with him. One thing. The psalmist says, I felt this was a very good word for us as a congregation, for every single one of us. As we come to the end of summer and we begin a new season, a new ministry season, school, college, starting for some. It's a good time to give this consideration. When he talks about inquiring in his temple and gazing upon the Lord, specifically what he is referring to is not a mindless, oh, look at that, but it is employing his mind to consider the excellencies of who God is. Charles Spurgeon said, the queen of all sciences is theology, the study of God. Saints, when we set our mind to see the Lord, to bask in his presence, to consider what he has revealed about himself, I promise you, it puts everything into perspective. It gives us the strength and the perspective that we need. You might perhaps have this verse on a wall in your home somewhere. It's a very beloved verse. We have a tendency 
sometimes to take our verses that we really like and lift them up and we neglect the context in which they are found. And I would propose to you that for all of those well-known verses, those beloved iconic verses that many of us cherish and love, our, the ministry of those verses in our lives will be enriched if we understand the setting in which we find them. If I were to summarize Psalm 27, it would look something like this. I have too many enemies to even count. I have too many problems to even count. If I don't get some help up in here, I am going to drown in said problems. The Lord will never leave me. So... Let's take a moment and read Psalm 27 together. And then we'll pick out some choice morsels for us to consider this morning. Verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? We can stop right there. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who will stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, Yet I will be confident. I just want to say most scholars agree that David penned these words when he was in exile and hiding from King Saul. That's the concept. So these are not just make-believe things he's talking about. He's actually giving you a real-life report of his life. Verse 4, one thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple, for he will hide me in his shelter in the days of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent the sacrifices with shouts of joy. Worship. In the midst of trials, I will sing and make melody to the Lord in the midst of my trials. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I do seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Do you see David is being honest? Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path. Because of my enemies, give me not up to the will of my adversaries. 
for false witnesses have risen against me. Don't raise your hand. How many of you have been on the receiving end of people gossiping about you? And they breathe out violence. I believe that I will look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And let your heart take courage. In the midst of your trials, in the midst of your tribulations, in the midst of your heartache, in the midst of feeling that you are drowning in what is happening, wait for the Lord. So I'd like to look at this passage, not just the one verse. The one verse is our theme. One thing have I desired of the Lord. One thing is what I pursue. One thing is what I run after. One thing. And that is to be, David says, in the house of the Lord. And to set my mind on his excellencies and who he is. And not to set my mind on the chaos That is all around me and literally I feel on the inside as well. Sermon point number one. No surprises here. Life will always have troubles. What David is describing here very vividly and in great detail is the enemies that surround him, the problems that plague him, having to remind himself over and over and over and over again to wait on the Lord, to trust on the Lord, because it is not easy when life is, is difficult. It is not easy when we have so many things distracting us from that one pursuit in the midst of his heartache and in his trials and tribulations again the leader of the state was seeking his life right these are not small problems he's dealing with in the old testament the temple was a place of refuge And restoration. When you were in the temple. You were in a safe place. Because that's where God. Resides. And in that temple. There was the perpetual 24-7 stench. Of blood sacrifices. Which. Served as a constant reminder that though we are sinful, God makes a way for sinners to stand before him. And every day, every cycle, every year when these small and big sacrifices were made. It was a reminder that God had not forsaken them though their sins are many 
Though we as individuals confess that our sins and our troubles are many, God has not left us. You came to the temple and you could look around and there were the faithful who had come to worship. I know I'm a pastor, but I am telling you every single week, I cannot get over being together in this room with you or wherever I am on a Sunday morning. Because gathered around me are people just like me, who love the Lord just like me, who are having problems just like me, maybe different problems than me. But I look around and I remember I'm not alone. And that was the experience in the temple. More so then. Because that's where God resided. That's where his glory was. But saints, do we know that God is not limited in the new covenant? He does not limit himself to a geophysical location. He does not limit himself to a structure in that special and particular way. We're so thankful for this structure. By the way, nine years ago, we started meeting in this. Nine years ago, August, nine years ago. But if we know our theology, if we know the excellencies of the Lord and the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, we know that God lives in us. So we take what David was saying and we apply it to ourselves today. One thing have I desired and that is to be near my God. To not have anything or anyone distract me or pull me away from that one supreme pursuit to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. There's a key word in Psalm 27. It's in verse 11. Teach me. Teach me. We have a great commission. What's the great commission? To make disciples. Literally, we have one job. To make disciples. To show others what it means to follow Christ. To teach others what it means to follow Christ. Obviously, to live that life ourselves. Saints, here's the pastoral word from your shepherd this morning. This is a process. We need to learn what this process looks like. To have the one thing that we desire and the one thing that we truly pursue because we have many things that we have to pursue. Right? We have to pursue excellence, for example, in the workplace or else we're not going to have a job. 
we got to take the trash out or else our house is going to be kind of smelly, right? I mean, there's lots of things that we have to do. And there are lots of hobbies that are very healthy to have. Lots of things which are good. The, the challenge, the balance in life is not allowing those things to usurp or overshadow the one thing that defines us. That consumes us because it is natural for every single single believer in Jesus Christ to truly in his or her heart desire one thing and that is to walk with Christ and to know the power of his resurrection and to let the joy of the Lord be our strength. But oh saints we know we are prone to wander. Don't beat yourself up. Perhaps this word has hit you like a Mack truck this morning. I'm glad for that. But I don't want it to spiral you into guilt or shame. But listen to the gentle conviction and the always clear conviction from the Holy Spirit to make a course correction if need be. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The Christian life, the walk with our walk with the Lord, Old Testament, New Testament, it does not work if we're divided in our pursuits and in our interests. We cannot follow Christ half-heartedly. We must be on top of our game so that in life, day by day, season by season, year by year, we do not allow the distractions to pull us away, to dilute us. So many times we wonder why we feel so weak, why we feel anemic. We ask ourselves, where did the joy go? Could it be that we have allowed individually, we have allowed other people, other pursuits, other things to have an unhealthy place in our life? That is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Discipleship is a process. The word disciple, you might know, means student or follower, right? We're following Christ and we are trying to align our lives by the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit to be where it needs to be as we know Christ better and better and follow him. So that that shows up in every department of our life, every part of our life, bar none. Listen to Jesus' words. As he calls people to himself. And please note, this is the one time in scripture that Jesus shares his heart. That he explicitly says, this is my heart. So we do well to listen to these words. Well known as they are. Let this be our conception of Christ. Matthew 11 verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There you have the essence of Christianity. The Old Testament 
In every generation was one prophet after another, and they had one singular message, usually for the Israelites. Repent, stop doing what you're doing, focus, turn, get right with God, serve the Lord, honor God, worship Him, stop getting entangled with the idols around you, and love the people in your life, tangibly. Jesus obviously endorsed that message, but that wasn't the core of his message. Have you ever read David or Elijah or Ezekiel? Name name your Old Testament guy. Have you ever read any one of them saying, yeah, come to me? I'm now open for business. Come to me. No, because they couldn't do that. They had nothing to offer other than to point people to the Lord. Jesus, being God in human flesh, says, come to me. All of you who are heavy laden, which is all of us living in this world. And he says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and this is why I'm pointing you to this verse, and learn From me. Discipleship, making disciples, is learning from Jesus, walking with Him, learning to obey Him, learning the truth about Him, learning learning the truth of His Word, and so on and so forth. It's a process. So if you are here this morning and you confess and you acknowledge and you agree that your interests have been divided, that you have walked down a path which is not honoring to the Lord, which is not good for yourself, the good news is the Lord is full of mercy. He is full of grace. And when the Spirit convicts you, it's our job to listen and to make those course corrections. Now, here's the beautiful part, and here's what you need to latch on to. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Can we just for a moment appreciate that? The one, Hebrews 1, who upholds all things by the word of his power has come to us in human flesh, in in lowliness of heart. I can't tell you how fantastic it is to follow a savior like that. And here's what he says. You will find rest for your soul. So the question of the hour today is this week. Did you have rest in your soul? Or was your soul a storm at sea? Jesus is beckoning you to his presence to allow him to take your burdens, to help you, to strengthen you, for you to find your strength in him. Which is why we have these jarring statements in scripture, in all things rejoice. And you think to yourself, why in heaven's name would I rejoice with the chaos around me and in me? Because we are in the Lord. We can always rejoice in him, no matter the circumstances we are in. 
So we have one job. Let us be about it to make disciples. We are learning. And here's what I want to just say one more time. This is the best place for us to to make him our one pursuit. The battleground is always in the mind. Remember Paul's word to the Romans. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. After 11 chapters of rich theology. Here's what he says. I appeal to you therefore brothers. By the mercies of God. That's my appeal. Is based on God's mercy and love for you. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's how you worship God. Get yourself out of the way. Present yourself to the Lord so he can use you. But here's what he says. Do not be conformed to this world. Because if you let your mind go for one moment, you will be conformed to the ill-fated thinking of this world, this culture, this generation, and so forth. But be transformed. That's a work of the Spirit. Transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I want to leave you with this. God will never let go of you. He made the first move to begin with. He knows your weaknesses. He knows our propensity to really mess things up. But he loves us. God is faithful even when we are not. Verse 10. This is a stark statement. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord won't. David is speaking in such strong terms here. He is saying the most precious, the most dependable for most of us relationship that we have is the one who birthed us or the one who is raising us, the ones who have given us a home, who love us and who are raising us, our own blood. They may fail us. They may forsake us. But God never will. And if you read this chapter carefully, you will see that David is expressing his concerns and his his challenges, but he's confessing what he knows to be true, even when perhaps his mind is not, he has not followed that fully yet. Last verse, Colossians 3.17. The result of us having a singular focus in life, the one thing, Whatever you do in word or deed, you do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do you see that? You can do fun things in life. You should. I mean, for crying out loud, I just had a, a stake you know, put up on the screen here. You can do things that you enjoy, but whatever you do, do all of it for the glory of God. All of it, not some of it, not most of it, not most of the time, not I will seek the Lord plus the 17 other things I have on the side. No, I will seek the Lord fully. He is the one I desire. He is the one I will follow after. And everything that I pursue 
will fall under the lordship of Christ and complement my relationship to him, the grace of God that has been shown to me, and the eternal perspective that I now, as a Christian, cherish in my heart. Because, Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21, I am a citizen of heaven. I am just passing through. I cannot, I will not be distracted by all the things that shine and sparkle in this life. I am following Christ. The one thing that I long for, the one thing that I cherish is to know him. And saints, if we are not regularly in fellowship together, if we are not making corporate worship and church life a priority, the priority, it doesn't work. Because we're human. If we're off by ourselves, we get so easily discouraged We get overwhelmed with our problems because we all have problems. So, next week, we'll continue this theme. This morning, I wanted to root you in a wisdom book and to see this in a verse that we all probably know and we love and we cherish. I wanted you to see the, the context that we find it in, that David had real problems that he was facing. Real problems. We can do this. But next week, we're going to expand that, and I want to show you that it literally is all throughout Scripture from beginning to end. This is not just an inspirational verse. Oh, look, in the middle of the Bible, look look at what David says. No, every generation has to figure this out. Every generation has to figure out what it means to have one thing that we desire, and that is the Lord, because it is the best place for us. Hands down, without question, it is the most beautiful, it is the most peaceful, it is the most joyful place to possibly be. And it doesn't work any other way. It just doesn't. So, more on that next week. Let's bow and prepare our hearts for prayer this morning. Perhaps a moment of just quiet reflection is in order. This is the word of the Lord this morning. It's in the middle of your Bible. One thing have I desired and one thing I'll seek after. If you do find yourself this morning being convicted by the Spirit, then let Him do His work in you. It is for your good. It is for your good. He loves you. He truly wants the best for you. But he also wants to use you. It is very difficult to use saints who are divided in their affections or their interests or in their focus. The good news of the Bible, the gospel is that yes, we are separated from God and under judgment from God because of our sin. The most beautiful news that could ever grace a sinner's ear is that God has made a way. Jesus Christ suffered and died, was buried and rose again on the cross, 
when we put our faith completely in Him and in Him alone, turning to Him for salvation, abandoning our own efforts and our works. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. If you have not put your faith in Christ, the Bible says today is the day of your salvation. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your great love, for your faithfulness. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. I missed this place the last two weeks. Thank you for friendship, for fellowship, for people coming alongside us that know you and love you. Thank you for the truth. Contrary to what Satan tells us, the truth that we all struggle, we all have these besetting sins, we all have temptations and distractions. Oh Lord, let us support one another and help one another to walk with you in the fullness of joy. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.